no, 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 I regret, I regret what I just did, just so you know. <laughs> Worlds. You know what you don't see either in the abyss or you know, hell? Janitors. They have no fucking janitors there. Oh god, oh god. <laughs> it's the wacky waving, waving in front of the wall. <laughs> And welcome to another episode of Outside the Stat Block. My name is Ben, and I will be your ginger daddy for the day. My name is Jesse, and I will be your mocha latte for the day. My name's Chris, and Jesse, stop reading my beverages. <laughs> you were supposed to be cinnamon, damn it. <laughs> I didn't you knew even, Christmas mocha. I did not even see it. Is that actually... Yeah, it actually... <laughs> Chris is always mocha, you know this. You're cinnamon, all right? I am ginger. Nah, I, well, I mean, I'm the darker-skinned one out of us, so I figured so I'd go with... So you pumpkin spice? Uh... I feel like... No, because, no I feel like that's definitely me, because I'm the white motherfucker at this table. <laughs> there we go. I was gonna say, I feel like that's a white, like, lady. Yeah, it is. It is a white thing. I don't necessarily know white lady. Like, I know a lot of white dudes that are coming around on the pumpkin spice. Yeah. Oh, I do not like it, but I accept my whiteness and will bear that title as it is mine to bear. <laughs> that's fucking funny. She's walking down the street. Hey, this is Chris. He drinks pumpkin spice. Oh, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. No, no, you can you can leave your mask on. I know what you look like. Yeah, no, I've got it. Man bun, beard, white. Yeah, no, thanks for yeah, that. No, I get it. <laughs> Where's your flannel? <laughs> no, this yep. one, this one's denim. No, yeah, that was, that was <laughs> not better. <laughs> It's like you're delivering parts for Napa. <laughs> it's like a nice denim work shirt. That's actually a pretty nice shirt. I, I like got it. it at Walmart. That's not bad. It's got two pockets. Man, it's got two, so I can. I like how the pockets oh, wow. are right okay, on. Okay, yeah. yeah. No. I mean, I mean that was yeah. Whatever gets your jollies off. I mean, yep. Yeah. No. Chris definitely just rubbed his nipples. Is what happened. There's absolutely no proof of this. You know what you could do with that shirt? Since it does have two breast pockets, is you could turn it into a one third shirt. shirt. I could uh, turn it. OTSB into brought you by one third shirts. Get you one third shirts today. Yeah. How you guys doing? doing good man i'm doing fucking fantastic today was my last day at the job i've been bitching about for the last six months yay applause for chris yay. i was I'm trying to, to yeah i'm sorry here hold on that's what oh, i did i'm, I'm just gonna I'm sure edit just in sounds like i'm yes. just gonna edit in a whole shit ton of applause yes do because that. i control that and i'm happy about this yes as you should be <laughs> Congratulations, Chris. It sounds like you are moving on to better things. I am. Happy to hear that. Jesse, I'm glad you are having a good night as well. I am doing well. Yeah, no, I just, uh, um, you guys can see it, and I'm gesturing to my entire apartment. Well, I just, uh, oh, yeah. brought It looks in, like uh, people live here now. Yeah, no, I, I got a bunch of new furniture. I got my, uh, I got two, my two TVs up on the wall. Yeah, but one of them's crooked. It's not crooked. My ceiling is crooked. That's not better. <laughs> I live in a, I live in like a hundred and fifty year old Victorian house. Like this place was built a long, long ago. Yeah, I mean that's what eh. happens when you live in the state that we do. Well, uh, I am happy to be back recording with you guys tonight. Tonight we are going back to our previous episode where we developed a plot hook together. We're going to be doing a part two. 
Um, Chris, oh, you want to give a little detail on some of that? Sorry. Uh, my bad. I got distracted. A friend walked in looking for something, and I I, I apologize. Um, I did want to actually. You checked in with us, Ben, but you're the one that's going. Yeah, that's some true. Shit. That's true. What? Tell the tell the people. Yeah. What? Tell the people. I'm fine. No. Uh, so I will be. So I will be moving roughly 12 hours away, to a little bit warmer middle section of the United States. Uh, it is a good opportunity for me for some new work, new faces, new surroundings. Just generally get out of the uh, the cold dank that's up here in Maine. I do love the state. I have a lot of friends and family up here, which is great. Um, but you always get to make more when you move around, so I'm leaving you fuckers behind. <laughs> that's okay. You can say that because we're friends, and I would much rather you hear face-to-face making fun of me than not be here. <laughs> Why do you gotta make it always sappy? Gonna... <laughs> I'm just gonna miss you. you like, real talk, to, I'm gonna you miss you. want me to cry on the podcast? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've I've already cried about it, Ben. Well, well I'm sorry to hear that, Justin. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Uh, we're still gonna be we're still gonna be doing this. We're gonna be oh, kicking yeah. around. Yep, still yep. gonna be in touch, and maybe we'll do online games. We'll see. Maybe we'll see. But we'll yeah, see uh, part of the part of the purpose for bringing that up is listeners, do not be alarmed if for the next uh, after this episode goes up for another week or so, you don't hear from Ben. He's not dead. We didn't fire him. He's moving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Switching places with Chris in the dungeon. They're gonna keep me there for a little bit. <laughs> but there'll be other faces and voices. Yeah, I finally get to come out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, no. Um, uh, we want we wanted to give Ben time to. Um, I mean, he's moving halfway across the country, so we wanted to make, give him time to get settled in and um, not have to worry about having to get all the things necessary to get uh, the podcast up up and going on his end. So we were. Giving him time to get that situated, um, get like his n- new life started down there. Um, and in the meantime, we've actually already talked uh, to a, a, a few people that we're interested in having on. Um, it'll be uh, me, Chris, and... Um, don't don't spoil it. I'm not going to. I was okay. going to say one of our friends. Uh, the one that I'm really pulling for that I, I really hope we're able to make something work out is he is somebody that has been a longtime player, first-time DM, and he's about to DM his first game. So uh, I'm, I'm really uh, curious to talk to him and get his, like, takes on it and stuff especially since i'm gonna be in his game <laughs> hey if he ever runs on dead story time you can always use this plot we're cooking up yep that's absolutely no true yeah. yeah you may hear another voice for the next week or so but until that but time until then now we, we have, got a fucking plot to finish yeah, yeah we have, no a, we have a, a part two to get to all right yep. so uh last recording we had decided to come up with this plot we'll give a quick brief rundown uh this is in some region in your world that you can fill in Right, there are two large cities. In one of the cities, there's this family that controls a lot of the crime. They were doing stuff with magic to try to enhance people, but it has yet failed and caused them to be in some sort of disarray financially. While in the other city, there has been this increase in crime from tech from another plane of existence. Chris, you want to touch on that side of it? Yeah. Uh <clears throat> Particularly, uh, we referenced Eberron just because it's the easiest plane to get to that has some of those technological advancements. But things of that nature, the uh, the existence of uh, 
crude firearms, some of those uh, insane, like, arm blade type things, all of those really, like, uh, I forget what the word is, but, like, that, that melding of magic to tech, uh, this... Technomancy-like deal. Yeah, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Technomancy, that's a good, that's, a, that's like a $10 word right there. <laughs> um, they have found a way to planar travel, and in their, uh, in their jaunts to Eberron and bringing all of this back, have basically started uh, what amounts to uh, like a weapons market that is now just infatuating the entire city from the people that can actually afford it from actual officials, kingdoms, nobles, all the way down to the, your, your bottom end, your lowest criminals, your typical street thugs and bandits who are just jumping people in the street now. And it's made... Uh, a massive upsurge in danger and travel, uh, not just in that city, but going to and from, uh, going to and from the neighboring city. It's uh, it's a bad time, and your party probably ought to do something about it. And before we get into our our middleman, the key NPC for this um, kind of plot that we're doing, it's not only that they're traveling back and forth from this plane and bringing back this tech that is causing issues with you know crime and and you know. A new technology coming in everyone's worried about it but the effects from constantly traveling back and forth between the planes has been altering the landscape for example um you know hills may have now become valleys mountains may now become just pyramids you never know what they could be you can just change the landscape maybe there used to be this huge forest and now it's this small little patchy oasis from a desert and the environment around has just been changing from this constant use of this magic going to and fro so that's what's going on in the general populace. Two cities, some crime going on, and a distortion of the world. And that brings us to our key NPC. Um, yes, uh, I really like what you said about the environment. Um, in as time goes on, and it gets worse and worse, like you know, maybe even having like an electrical storm that just kind of floats around, doesn't dissipate. Just you got to always know where that thing is and it's spreading and getting larger, you know, stuff like that. Just some weird shit. You can just be traveling down the road on your horse, like, and, and then a hole opens up and you fall into another plane, but it's in the middle of the air and you're falling 200 feet to your death or something, you know, some like wild ass shit just because it's destabilizing. Yeah. You know, both just planes. completely rewriting. Yeah, it's almost like it's m- like melding them together, which is ruining both planes type of thing. It's like if they ran into each other in a metaphysical sense. Uh, anyways, um, <clears throat> yes, so uh, the middleman. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Nope. We need to come up with a better name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can name the NPC whatever you want. What name do you right. want to name him? They can um, change it up if they want. I, I don't know. I'm Arnold Farman Man. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Um, I'm, I'm not great with names. I think I... What does Mr. Farmer Man do? Okay, I like this. So, um, he is a, a farmer that was working the fields one day um, and saw one of these uh, things, like, earlier on happen where, you know, uh, um, he saw another world kind of open up in front of him and suck up some trees and some of his cattle and such. Um, and that's when he started looking into an issue and... And he ended up building um, a small resistance against the two families to uh, fight back to try to stop them from this doing these uh, the the planar travel 
so that it can help restabilize the world again so that they're not um their land isn't in danger their you know their means aren't in danger of being sucked up by <laughs> this planar magic and in doing so uh the <clears throat> the families fought back and uh they ended up uh like messing him up in his mind and that is kind of roughly where we are with him uh we can suss that out more today i think like that's our point but he's the he, that middleman is the uh, or was the leader of the resistance until he kind of disappeared. And I think what we were talking about last time was the start of the actual campaign was them being hired by just some people to find this missing person. And this missing person happens to be this leader that we're talking about. And yeah. that's how it all starts to unfold. So just to uh, expand on that a little bit. Yes, please. The reason why your party could be brought in into this is because the environmental change is going on. Yeah. Right. There are, um, there are tons of avenues to loop a party into mm-hmm. this. And then your your information that you can give them to the party can come from that resistance group that is, you know, just kind of on the outskirts of everything, trying to find a resolution and needing additional members. And that's where you can bring your party in yep. on this. Mm-hmm. So we have the uh, the two kind of organizations, I guess we should call them the best. We have the crime organization and then they have the in one city and then in the distant city, um, other city we have the family and then we have this guy that they kind of manipulate by changing his memories in between so we've got we've got middleman the technomancers and the magic crime right (laughs) so um just to give it some shorthand a couple a couple things that um you can add to this and things you should think about since it is uh you can use this for a regular campaign or fit it kind of in this in the uh and having a background yeah, to an background, already right just a side plot going on are um what do you think just the general environments the distance between these cities let's get just a little bit more detail in there so we know more of what we're looking at okay i like this so uh, i don't know about you guys but i know immediately i'm picturing in my head these two very kind of circular cities that are hidden in between two mountain ranges where like hmm. there's this large valley in between that's full of these nice small patches of green forest maybe some green plains it's a relatively large area but they're kind of closed from the outside world which is why this stuff hasn't spilled out yet into your main campaign i like i I kind of envision them of having uh maybe not maybe part of the proximity but kind of the relationship between like new york city and jersey yes (laughs) right 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 um but like uh yeah so i mean it's it's uh as far as towns go, they're they're cities. They're well populated. Um, however, one is larger than the other. And I was thinking that um, the like the crime one can be the the larger one, while the other one is just slightly smaller. But that's the one that on the outskirts can have like a lot of farmland. It can as well. And that would make a good place for this crime family because they're always about organization, keeping everything, you know, in-house. Tidy, in-house. Yeah, right. I like that. Yeah. So that city doesn't need as much control because that family controls it where it's a little bit more chaotic than the other one. Yeah, in the big city where, yeah, now there's – it's a little higher, uh, higher population, slightly more dense. That's why you run into all those problems with the, you know, the surge of that technomagic weaponry because it's just – it's such a densely populated place that any instance involving that stuff just becomes like a citywide catastrophic event. 
Uh, just to make things uh, easier for us, let's come up with names for the families, and so that we can say the family that controls City A and the family that controls City B. Sure. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so for the name for that uh, organized crime family who was using this kind of magical Adams. enhancement, no. Uh, <laughs> um, we'll call them the Sarials. Okay. Sarials. Oh okay. wow, that hits a little close to home. I hate it. All right, and uh, we'll call the other ones the Smiths. The Smiths. Against Farmington Man. That was his name. No. Farmingman. 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 Say, not Farmington Man. Farmington is a terrible dumpster <laughs> town that's in New Hampshire. You don't want to be a Farmington Man. <laughs> if I'm picturing this landscape, I think you can see one city from the other. Oh, absolutely. I think they're fairly close. They're, yeah. Close, yeah. Close enough, or maybe like not. the tall buildings can yeah, see them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But yeah. there's, yeah, there's like the, it's not just a plane in between them or like a straight path. Yeah, well, like them. Ben said, it's a kind of like a like valley. A, like this comical right. valley that goes down. There's things yeah. to get into to travel. It's, yeah. yeah, it's the, they have, they have the capacity to see each other just based on their relative size, but it's still like a decent ways travel. I like that. And there's a long river that almost like separates the sides into two equal parts. And this river is like where both the city's water source is. And, you know, they've kind of set up this thing where, okay, this side is for this city. That's for that city. Here's this big bridge in which we cross on that. I don't know. uh, That's where people like to set up and steal shit because it's this so what do you think bottleneck so now that we have the names for these cities and a general overall like sort of environment on yeah picture in our mind of what they look like if this scenario is going on in this area how are these cities going to be affected by them like i mean there's going to be several different factors that you gotta that you may want to consider when you know having a crime-ridden city on what could be going on yep uh so what I see is, given the the landscape as we've described it, I'm, I'm focusing very specifically on, like, their little corner of the universe right now. The upsurge in regular human crime combined with the, uh, the mixture and the almost pollution of all of the planar travel mishaps um, is absolutely going to ravage every natural resource that they could possibly share in this little valley in which they exist in. Uh... Humans with guns is enough to scare off regular animals. The universe trying to rewrite itself due to mishandled magics is going to completely change the way that uh, possibly even just standard physics works. The river may cease to flow entirely. It may flow through a portal into another dimension. I think one of the biggest concerns that they're going to face, maybe not immediately, but over the course of the campaign itself is a distinct decline in natural resources, including food. I think that's a really good one. Having a starved city because of this going on definitely causes even more problems than just crime, yeah. right? Because crime's going to go up from those people who can't get food anymore because of what's going on. Yeah, and um, then you're going to wind up with uh, another fun aspect of uh, crime and things that influence crime, which is a very heavy and obvious class divide. Yes, I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think that's a a great way to look at it. Um, I think, what do you think about only having that food shortage shortage affect one city? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I was thinking the technomancy side, right? Yeah. Yeah, because the other side, side, I mean, they're strong um, uh, casters of sorts. So, I mean, 
they have ways to cat yeah, yeah they have ways to, and well, to magically and like you said uh, you had suggested the idea that one of them exists uh, in a relatively smaller state with a pref- uh, plethora of like farmlands farm and more natural resources that's no not so much a concern for them because they have managed to as a as a general you know location built up a pretty steady backlog of you know resources or livestock that they can deal with that they can have to deal with all of this you, oh, sorry i did the face didn't i you did the yeah, gas like the i face. got a good idea yep. yes okay i got a good idea okay <laughs> um well let's put a volcano behind that city base of the volcano is um very rich in nutrients which is good for farmland um it's a mountain range which it's uh uh, you know it's not uh a it's not unheard of to have you know volcanoes in that area um also it gives another danger aspect that you can put into it of like as things get worse uh this volcano goes from dead to starting to show signs of activity again you know something like that i like adding the volcano in there just as like a a back of the mind deal that yeah you know because if you mention there's a volcano there it'll be an issue for maybe a session they may want to get some information on it but if they don't find anything out about it they will forget forget about it it. and then one day everything erupts what i also like about, about the volcano is if you're safe enough this family that's over there that's where they could have been practicing all of these like weird, yeah, mysterious all of their arts. Crazy yeah. dark arts. That's yeah. where they can like hide it from the city while they're trying to infuse people with magic to make them like super soldiers type deal. Yeah. That's could have been where uh, th- that could have been where they were, were doing all of this. No, I like, yeah, I like yeah. both ideas and very that, much. And that actually that works because it uh, everybody thinks that you know it's just the regular natural existence of the volcano and the way that that reshapes the earth that's made their land so. Um, so vibrant but it's it's a combination of that and their their twisting and bending and manipulation of the you know that magical line of life and death that they play with all the time it's all the remnants of that that have been left in this volcano and are subsequently seeping throughout the land because of that yes yeah no Good, good addition with the volcano. I think it fits very well. Um, a lot of good points all around. One thing I do want to kind of get clear, and I think we need to establish before we go any, to any, uh, through any further, is what is the relationship between these two cities? Is there a strong divide? We divide everything from here on, and you draw a line. Is it we keep to ourselves, you keep to yourselves, and you can fuck off? Is there a trade? Like, how do these two cities interact? That's a very important question to uh, answer for DM. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is a good question. I'm for if you don't mind, I think I think uh, for the uh, point of this story, just to make it more challenging on players, because I wouldn't want my players to go to one city and not the other. Right? Yeah. I would want them to have. You to want visit them to both. be enticed yeah. to both. So I, what I was thinking was, if these two cities are completely cut off from each other, you're not allowed over in my territories, I'm not allowed over in your territories, and they divide it completely like that. That way, when you know the Technomancy City is starting to suffer from all of this food deprivation because all of these anomalies have twisted the land and more crime has sprung up, they're going to want to try to they're steal wanna from tr- the other yeah. city or the other city. Yep. Like You'll find that two counter, those ba- counterbalances between each other, and it will give a lot of story options for your parties to try to derive how to fix the situation. Yeah, and actually, and there's... It's, yeah, I like that, because you get the option for, like, the... Uh, 
you know the technomancy city they they see the you know the flour uh, flourishing like general food and resource prosperity of the other city uh but the people in the other city who have you know they have their their livestock and their cattle and their you know their food and their resources but they look across the way to this large uh technologically magically advanced behemoth of a place and that's uh, you know, that's their dream. They, oh, yeah, if I can just make it, I can get there. Both both uh, inhabitants of, of both cities want to be in the other place. It's just that constant feeling of the grass is always greener. Mm-hmm. Now, would we say that the, these resistance groups are like small villages in between, or are they from one of these cities? I would say it would be... I feel like it's a mixture of both. Like, it's it's a combination of the people from both cities who have dared to try and yeah. leave. I like that. Yeah. They, and they've, they've all kind of come under the realization that both places suck and there's something wrong with the world and they need to deal with right. it. Right. And it's not like they, they come to realize this idea of, like, it's not... Um, like that city isn't shitty and that city isn't shitty. It's that family sucks and that family sucks and they're like destroying our home cities. Yeah. And we need to stop these people because uh, they're going to destroy our homes and we want to live and prosper in our homes. And um, by, you know, getting rid of them, then the cities won't suck. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if the major issue, one of the major issues uh, that's happening in the Technomancy City is a shortage of food and an increase in crime resulting from that, uh, I would say that the other city has to be fairly under control, except probably dealing with what would they, I can't think of something that they would be dealing with in that city because they still have food, right? Do you think maybe refugees trying to come over? I would say it's a combination of refugees and given the natural presence of magic, they are suffering more from the universal changes, from all the shifting. Uh, perhaps some of your more mm-hmm. uh, eclectic creatures from perhaps other planes appear throughout the night. Uh, you ever had a pack of displacer beasts eat all your cows? <laughs> you have now. No, I like those cows. Bertha. <laughs> Hey, Henry, all the cows are gone again. So, while they don't have... So, they, we, we've established in the previous episode that this family, the Sariel family, is trying to gain these weapons as well. Yes. Right. So, with that, I like the fact that these random beasts are showing up. These random creatures from yeah. other planes. Because it allows you to use super cool things in the oh, monster yeah. manual and in various ways. But that could be a problem for this family is that these beasts are showing up while they're trying to get the- these weapons. Yeah. And the party needs to deal with these beasts now because that's what the family wants. Yep. And and, it, and it's another it's another way of incentivizing the Sariels to want that weaponry. I agree. So uh, we can also think of like, okay, so there's a lot of money to be made in magic, like in this, uh, uh, in 5e. But this family is, they're not looking to make money. They're looking to become more powerful. And by creating, like, items where they can, like, put spells into it and sell them to make more money and stuff, that's making other people more powerful. And they don't want that. They want their power to be supreme. So, um, since they're not willing to kind of go that route to make money, 
then maybe we can make that city like the technomancy city that city has money in it even though like there's a lot of crime and it's like chaotic that city has money but this city over here it has plenty of food it has um like but i mean as far as money goes like it like it has like second rate armor and weapons and clothing and has really good food though and um maybe a magic item shop that does have like i don't know a few things that you can't get anywhere else just because it's within this city and that that's the it's like this broken down kind of pawn shop style yeah right right, right. but the other city is like prosperous and that can be one of the See, and there, yeah there's another way to incentivize your players to travel from city to city is a very distinct economical divide if you want regular adventuring resources you want rations you want packs stuff like that you have to go to the sariel city because they're they're a bit more humble in that in that presentation they keep to themselves mostly they're not really interested with a bustling economy they have their simple mm-hmm. ways that on the surface that appear simple on the surface i should say but if you want anything advanced, if you've got players hunting for magic items, then they've got to go to the Smith City because this is the place. They right. have all of the highest end shit, the most obscure things you could think of. Like, I don't normally do this or, uh, like, generally subscribe to this as a DM, but I would go so far as to say that based on the import of the new tech and new magic items, I would be willing to sell almost anything out of the DMG at that city. Yeah. Just based on their advancement and their prosperity. Like yeah. anything outside of like anything that's not an artifact or a legendary, like a super like high powered legendary item, you can buy it there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, price it uh, yeah, accordingly. Price, priced accordingly. But, yeah. Anything you want, anything you can dream of. Somebody's got it somewhere. You just have to find it. Yeah. And you can make that depending on the rarity of the item or how, you know, likely it would be in your world or not. You can make that as easy or as hard to find in that city. Absolutely, absolutely could have it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, so probably, probably not going to roll into ye old pawn shop and find yourself a holy avenger, but flaming, raging, poisoning sword of doom <laughs> sitting on the back wall, sixty thousand gold pieces. A red dragon head. Yes, what I was looking for. <laughs> I can wear it like a helmet. <laughs> uh, so now I think what we need to do from this point is stick with what small details we've come up with this and kind of expand on just those ones because we could probably fill these cities for hours Endlessly, yeah with, oh yeah, with small yeah. Stuff. but we've 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 got a good backdrop i think so we need to bring that magnifying glass in we really need to look at the actual aspects of this adventure so i agree and i think i think it's pretty easy straight and straightforward from the resistance aspect aspect to pick what we're um what we're putting in these cities and put that as information the resistance has so the party can go choose pick and choose what it wants to do right in these cities but for the sake let's uh, stick with this technomancy city it's kind of what we're into right now we know that you can buy anything there when the party goes here we need to figure out how the party's going to yep. be treated are they immediately in danger because there's crime everywhere who can they talk to is there a person they can talk to like how are they going to go about changing this from this city i i envision this kind of uh like Really, any any standard tourist going to a big city, mm-hmm. you are going to be met with equal parts uh, absolute disinterest and people who are going to try and scam or mug you. 
Yeah. Because, like, the, the party very clearly, as regular adventurers, are not going to visibly fit in. They're not going to wear, you know, whatever is standard for the city. They're going to stand out based on appearance. Moreover, they're going to stand out based on what will essentially come off as a lack of visible fear that most of the standard citizens in this city are going to exhibit because they know how dangerous that city is. That can be the exact reason why this resistance finds them and starts talking with them yeah. and saying, hey, do you guys want to do a job? Like, yeah, they don't have any muscles yeah. to do. Right, and the, you, they're, you're not, yeah. they're not from around here. They don't know anyone. Like, they don't know who they're looking into or these families or anything Absolutely. like that. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, yeah. every every large city has a shitty dive bar that locals will send tourists to. Yep. And that's... That's where they're going to end up. That's definitely where the resistance ends up because, if anything, it's the safest place to hide because nobody's going to look for them there. And as far as uh, within the city limits, uh, no, I don't think that there's prominent danger unless they start a fight, you know, because uh, an adventuring party is, isn't is an easy mark when you're looking at them. You know, they're, they're parties that are going to have armor and they're going to have magical items and such like and stuff like that and weapons. See, and there's plenty of people walking around that don't have all of that stuff. See, but I see it differently. I see the existence of firearms as a confidence booster for criminals. That's valid, yeah. You're going to see, you know, local hero man Jim Stone walk into town with his longsword and wooden buckler, and fucking Jimmy the Nose down the street's going to be like, I have a fucking gun! (laughs) (laughs) Give me your wallet. Give me a small fold of leather with gold in it. Yeah, fucking he's going to walk up, he's going to put the gun in his back, and he's going to be like, you GP or you HP? And he's going to say, he's going to say, he's going to say, uh, uh, Oh, with, with that, uh, I have a long sword. You can step back with your dull little dagger. Kaplow. Because <laughs> fucking... Ah, Jim, my kidney! Jim Strongman doesn't know what a fucking firearm is yet. Yeah, yeah find exactly. out the hard way. He's going to find out the hard way, so that's... That's a weird-looking uh, Because that's going to be... Because it, you're right, that confidence is going to work in the party's uh, detriment. Mm-hmm. Because somebody's gonna walk up to them and DM's gonna be like, they have this weird like metal wooden thing in your hand. You've never seen it before. You don't really know what it is. It just looks like they're holding garbage. Yeah. And the party's gonna be like, <laughs> yeah, all right, man. Until the first Kaplow-y. time. Yeah. Until the first time one of those shots connects, then the DM's like, and that's two d ten worth of damage. They're gonna be like, what the fuck? Why? <laughs> oh God, no! It's in the bone. It's in the bone. <laughs> So while Jim Strongman may not be in an immediate danger when you enter this city, there's definitely going to be eyes on the party. Oh, yeah. One, because it's crime. Two, because you're walking in with, I mean, party adventurers have stuff. You look fucking weird. Yeah. The adventurers get yeah. shit stolen from all the time. Yeah. What I'm picturing when you go into this city, like, if if you're trying, if the party is trying to look for people to talk to, I'm picturing, like, when you're running into the locals that aren't criminals, Yeah. they're probably very, very poor. Their situation probably isn't looking good. They may be starved, a little malnourished because there's not a lot of food, and they may not want to say anything because yeah, yeah. I'm I'm picturing very like head down, keep to themselves, really no interest in interacting with anyone unfamiliar. 
Have you guys have you guys been to New York? Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. No nobody ever like yeah. it's none of their business. Whatever is happening, none of their fucking business. Literally walk by I, someone getting stabbed on the street and, and they'll just they just be just like, nah. Straight. No, uh, I I I remember my first time going because uh, so I I lived a lot of my life in Maine and if somebody honks their horn like we'll probably get up out of our seats and go out the window and be like what are they honking at down the street there <laughs> in New York like you can be like 10 feet from a car and a car will lay on their horn honking and slamming on their brakes <laughs> sounds like there's about to be an accident and everybody just goes looks straight doesn't even turn their head and none of my business it's none of my business and that's yeah. kind of what I'm picturing just everybody walking down like head a little down in front of them and just walking straight and if you try to talk to them they're just like none of my business <laughs> yeah maybe that's their town motto none of my business and that's none that's what you're gonna get out of the general populace but i think if you find some of the not nicer because nothing here is really nice but some of the more upscale or more affluent areas you're more likely to run into people who are, are comfortable in their ways and comfortable enough with their status that they don't mind kind of almost bragging about it yeah they don't have that oh, same absolutely. that same typical pallor and malnourishment to them they're you know they're they're braggadacious about it they're rich they don't so, need. To, they don't need to ignore the commoner out of my way. Don't you know who I am? Picture in the mind. That that brings me to uh, a point I wanted to make. Uh, so these two families are gangs or clubs, however you want to look at it. Effectively, um, yeah. And uh, so I can picture them on both sides being very proud of that fact so like every member they have like something on them whether it's a patch or a bandana oh yeah some kind of identifying yeah something that says like i am in this family yeah don't you fucking look at me wrong and like that can be like their first running can be with uh somebody from them whether it's like and because i mean not everybody needs to be an asshole either like they can meet someone that like seems pretty cool you just end up finding out that the his affiliation yeah it's just not great is not a great yeah in these situations it's very easy to put in an npc that is you know downtrodden down on their luck not yeah, that, you know the suffering pity case. the pity case but i think it's way more interesting to put in a character that's maybe i'll say it this way maybe a little dirty maybe this person is outcast from the gangs because he's not very good at what he does maybe this person owes some of the gangs money and maybe is seeing the party as an opportunity to get the edge over on this gang this NBC may have you know minor information that the party can learn about maybe they're just like this squirrely little kind of rat like dude yeah some absolute rat maybe tries to screw over the party by getting some of their funds making a wrong deal getting them to kill somebody intently Mm -hmm. i think that's who the party would meet in this scenario of uh instead of just that you know normal sappy hey this yeah everything this here is sad is, and my life sucks, sucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah save us yeah, exactly. heroes right, when you right. can have you know yeah they meet some timmy the kobold yeah some back alley fool with a checkered blazer <laughs> some insurance salesman <laughs> So I think I think we've got that established as far as like if the first foothold to be taken is is in the Technomancy city. So what happens on the other side of the line then? What if they go to the Sariels first? If they go to the Sariels first, uh, I think what they'll find is a population that uh, doesn't have a lot, but all seem like in like better 
spirits until you start finding the people that uh, aren't, basically. But I mean, like the genu, the general um, overall like morality is much higher in this city. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they don't have people on the streets starving. Um, but it's like there's still like nefarious shit going on. Um, but it's more of a behind the scenes thing oh, that yeah. you don't necessarily see. So would you say that this is a place where if, if the party goes to the Technomancy City and they find that squirrely rat NPC, is this a place where the family would immediately call a meeting with the new members that are coming in their city? Would they be that in control of the city, the Sariel family, that as soon as this party of adventurers comes in and starts asking one question that yeah, just sets the thing because up, I, they'd be like, hey, come meet yeah, us. The we way, own this. The way yes. I feel about Ex- the Sariels is it's it's very much like a it's like a thought police place. Like The I reason agree. that everybody seems so happy is because the people who don't seem so happy disappear. Yeah. In, in their, like, the Sariel family, when they talk to you, no matter what the, it may not match the words that are coming out of their mouth, but it's a very very pleasant tone, you know? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, no. Oh, please come with me. Definitely. <laughs> kind of like sorry. No, yeah, like sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. But yes, perfect. I think that's that's very yeah, good. Because yeah. they're they don't they don't do their dealings out in the day. Everything they do is is hidden. It's secret. It's kept under the cover of night. Maybe part of the part of the reason that everybody is so hush hush and they're, you know, kind of trained into this obedience is maybe one of the things that they do is in order to try and reclaim some of this power they've lost the uh, the non-believers the thought criminals as it were when they get abducted they become experiments for the sariels that's where these people go Ooh. Oh. and that God, they are so vile i love them and that in and of itself uh, becomes a future problem once uh the you know the planar magic starts distorting the world even more because at some point you have to imagine that whatever underground bunker they've kept all these experiments in something is going to happen and they're going to get let out i see that as like a um like a right after we finish this main quest yeah and we're leaving and we are full of our riches of experience and gold oh yeah magic items we leave this region and then we find these super soldiers and then we find these just absolute monsters that just tear us to pieces and beat us to death oh god i think with the um i love that as like a nice side plot just to throw at the end of the story i think that's super cool uh if you're going, if these, if this family is going to immediately come and approach the party, and they're going to have like pleasantries and everything like that, I think they need you have to have the party trust. The party has to trust this family. You have to get that right oh. out of the gate. You know, give them free items out of the player's handbook, maybe some free rations or a tent, oh, or yeah, maybe a cart and some horses. Yeah, they load them down with with some lubricant. <laughs> and if they have, regardless if they go to the other city first or this city, they have. They're going to have information on the other city, right? So you just give them one tidbit of information that clues them in on something going on with the other city that keeps them away from the family. Yeah. You guys go investigate what's going on over here. Don't worry about these super soldiers we're building and this tech we're stealing. Pay pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Everybody is happy. Yeah. And, uh... And I just like the idea of them, like, not being threatening and just seem really nice and maybe kind of, like, lean into, like, I don't even, I don't know why they're so upset with us. Like, we're just, we're just farmers trying to live our lives out. 
Like, we don't have anything that they could possibly want here. You know how you seal the deal? You send a caravan, a small one, of food through the valley to the other city, and you attack it yourself. And you get the party to investigate it and leave signs like it was the other people. Like, hey, we tried to send them food, but yeah. they attacked us. Kind yep. of air quotes that you can't see because it's an audio medium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, that's, that's exactly it. So I feel like we have, we've got enough of a foothold for both sides here. Uh, and either way, uh, you know, however this transpires, one way or another, following through on either of these courses of action eventually lead them to the resistance, which eventually brings in, you know, the the revelation, the, the reveal of what is actually going on here when the resistance is like, no, listen, you can't trust either of these families. They're both absolutely despicable. And if we don't put a stop to them, everyone is going to die. So, okay, here's the question then, because we, in this base, like in this idea, um, we want the party to meet both of the families and have their own opinions about the families before they even meet the resistance, right? So how do we put that in the game um, with like, you know, that illusion of choice for them or, or at least just kind of like entice them, give them a reason to be interested to go and check out both cities, like without it being this boring, like, OK, you're there. If there's nothing to do, there's a city across the lake. Oh, you want to go there? OK. Well, if you um, so the way you can kind of entice them is they need to go to one of the cities first and mm -hmm. not find information on the anomaly anomalies from the magic yeah that requires them to go to the other city for, to try to find information on the anomalies and when they don't i think that would be a good point to insert um arnold farmingman so why are they looking for the or the um the cause of the anomalies yes because it is so far destroyed one city because it's destroying the technomancy city's food sources mm -hmm. and it's new tech is starting to show up when this started happening. So my question is, like, have they been hired to do this? Or is this, like, something that as the DM, you're like, okay, so you guys have been traveling together and you find this issue and you're looking for the reasoning behind it. I mean, I, I feel like it would be... I mean, most of that would probably be DM discretion, but I would say in the in the course of regular travel, like... They would witness these events. It's not like they're sparse, uh, sparse and hard to see. Mm -hmm. Like they would definitely notice some of this, uh, depending on which city they go to first. Like if you head towards the Sariels, you're absolutely going to notice uh, when these weird creatures that you've never seen before right. show up and just start attacking. Right. Like, that's going to stick out. Or if you go to the other city, you're going to find this, you know, this new weird tech that you've never seen before. Maybe even a couple Warforged sold into slavery. There's another subplot for you. Slave Warforged. Like, they're going to encounter a lot of these things that they have no bearing for. And naturally, players are going to try and inquire as to where this came from, how it makes sense, why it's here, how does it fit. And that's how you can kind of bring that all together. So I guess the question is, is like, um, how would you, like, how, how do you do it so like the players are, don't just show up and go, oh, uh, nah, <laughs> I'm good. Uh, so, uh, two, kind of two things to answer that question. First, uh, first is you don't, right? So if you're going to use this and going to make it your own and the players decide to skip it, skip it, right? Okay, yep. Try to fit it in some other yeah. time. 
maybe change the landscape of it and they run it into it later down the line. Yep. Keep it in your back pocket. right? If the players aren't going to bite, don't bite. But how do you get them to bite? Is you make them have a question. You give them a question that they need to answer. And you make them come up with the question they need to answer. So, for example, if they go over to the Sario family and now all of these strange monsters from different planes are attacking... They're going to ask, hey, why are these... Yeah, what More the than likely, is- they're going to ask, why are these creatures attacking you? What's and up with your weird like, monster problem? We have, we don't, we have no, no, idea. no idea. And the, and the, question, the question for the players that get them addicted to the hook is, okay, why are these showing up? Yeah. And, you know, they could even go so far as to say, you know, we don't know. Maybe it's those rotten smiths over here trying to get back at us because we won't share any of our food with them. Yeah. See, that's perfect. It's, yeah. easy, it's easy enough in, in either perspective for one family, family, yeah, for one family to just flip the blame immediately over onto the other. And then that, that kind of just kind of makes the story itself, especially if you do the blame game. Yes. They're immediately going to want to go to the other city and ask questions. They're yeah. immediately going to know there's issues between these two places, and that's going to bring up more questions. And as long as the party is coming up with these questions that they want answers to they're going to stay in your story so always oh, make yeah. your party find their question yeah they there's always a there's a question to ask there's a trail to be followed you got to stick with okay. it okay so that means that uh um whatever city they go to i mean everybody knows this whatever city you go to where's the first place you go the tavern the tavern, yeah. the tavern. so at the tavern no matter which side they're on they're going to meet someone. If it's on the uh, um, the Smith side, they're going to meet the Weasley fellow. Um, if it's on the oops, sorry. If it's on the Sariel side, um, they're going to meet a uh, family dig- member, a dignified gentleman that is willing to talk to them about the things that are happening in the city. Mm. Oh, I hate him. You I do too. You don't like him? You don't? Oh man, I love him. Just good. Oh. Well, would you like some tea? With no, you? see, but like, I love that, but I hate him. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, that's exactly how I wrote it. The butler yeah. did it. The butler yeah. did it. Yeah. Quest solved. Move on. All right. So, oh, I'm sorry. I, uh, as much as I feel like we could talk about this forever, like, we need to. There, there were points that I think we need to get to. Yeah. Um. One of them, I think, was uh, getting closer to a resolution for this whole thing. So, well, uh, I mean, if so, we have the right now, what we have, like, for story wise, is we have the start, we have the cities, we have the conflict, we have the party, we have how they can be introduced to this. Um, after they have met both of the families through going to the tavern, and the other one kind of giving them a little hint or a question to answer themselves to go to the other city. Um, once they have met both, then maybe at some point or another, they get slipped some kind of a note that they just happen to find on them that says, meet us here, don't say anything. And then if they choose to go, that's where they meet this resistance who is looking for their lost leader, uh, Arnold Farmington Man. Farming Man. Farming Man. Farming Man. Farming Man. It's Farming Man. So our resolution is going to have to come after they find the resistance. Yep. They're going to have to find Arnold Farming. They're going to have to find Arnold. They're going to have to go through that whole thing we talked about 
with where his they, memory where loss. They, you know, they follow all those mm-hmm. clues and they kind of have to remind him who he is, plus the extra, you know, extended version of that side plot where they can bring that all the way out to 100% if they want to. So that's another thing to keep in the back yeah. pocket. Yeah. Now, we don't have to, but what would, how would you feel about Arnold Farming Men being one of the experimentations from the Sariel family? And that's what happened to his memory. And that can somehow uh, connect. Of course, because I mean, he's somebody that spoke up against them, and when somebody does that, they disappear. Yeah. And, and he, he got yeah he got taken, um, and they were I don't even know like maybe they were look trying to do that, and he was like the first success, and yeah. they went all right, but, but it wiped it wiped his memory, and they didn't kill him because they wanted to study. Yeah. Right. And then they found a way to give him new memory. And like implant new memories within his head, and then they kind of just like sent him somewhere. Like the the place that he is, that they can't find him, can't be within this area. No, he's like he lives in a cabin in the woods somewhere. Yes, yeah, like one hundred percent. Yep. So do they know where he is then? If he's just kind of off in the woods, maybe he just went astray and maybe left. So I feel like, okay, here's here's an interesting way to, to give some challenge to this so it's not just go to the man's house and get him. Right. They can't find him because the uh, dimensional turbulence has r- almost reorganized the landscape in such a way that you it's, om- it be- it's almost impassable for regular folk. So what happens? Why don't we set – you could always do this because you can always set like a – I wouldn't necessarily say like a time trap, but a timed event. Yeah. Let's say this dude is like locked up, not locked up like in a prison, but locked up in the terrain somewhere. Maybe when the terrain altered, he got enclosed in this cavernous system and he's stuck there and can't get out because there's rocks all around him. And then a timed event triggers where that happens again. And now this place is opened up. Maybe it's a marker on the map somewhere that looks familiar that the party passes during one of their travels to and from the city. And when yep. they go back, they'd be like, hey. This big hole in the ground wasn't fucking there. That's I, I actually really like it because I was thinking that he wasn't even going to be like anywhere around here because uh, I was thinking that we needed to have it in a spot where the resistance wouldn't have looked for him already because if they can't yeah. find him themselves. So, I mean, if it's in like a hidden nook that like has this like almost like false wall in front of it you know what i mean it's not really false though uh that's why the resistance can't find them and as far as arnold is concerned uh he's a hermit has been a hermit his whole life as far as he knows yeah yeah, he doesn't like trespassers like when they show up like he can't help but be like the good-hearted like good-natured person but he doesn't really have social skills even though like in his previous life he he yeah. did like but he's he's very much he was, like oh hi why are you in my cave <laughs> yeah yeah do you need food you should leave soon though yeah oh, no i don't need any food no <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's right like do you need any food in here but you should leave i don't like guests oh i just hermit i live here i'm behind the rock forest <laughs> and to and <laughs> you funny little man. <laughs> and to just add that little bit of extra intrigue, uh, whenever he's with the party, given the enhancements that have been made to him by the Sariels, he sets off the detect magic spell. I like that. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. He will just radiate enchantment magic. 
Mm-hmm. Not not anything on him, but him himself. Yep, just this whole aura around him. And Something's the, up with him. For multiple reasons. One, the enhancement, the actual enhancement that's turned him into the freaky super soldier man, plus the modify memory spell. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be all of these little things that if you have a party member uh, who just habitually casts detect magic eventually it's gonna happen and he's gonna ping and that's gonna be a whole nother point of interest even more so if it happens at like once they've you know become a little more integrated into the resistance that brings up a whole question of its own the resistance is gonna wind up you know questioning the the well-being of their you know their leader this person they've been following they'll be like oh well, why are you in like with what how what and then that's a whole different plot to go down where you wind up you know you have your resistance and your players both questioning, is this the guy we're looking for? Is he still the one? Is it even him? Is this something else? What's going on? There's just a lot of what if that happens here that I really like. I really like it. It's just, it's very intriguing. And yeah. as, a, as a player, that's the kind of shit that makes me want to be there and makes me hate when the DM's like, all right, well, we kind of we kind of ran out of time. One of our players needs to go or something like that. And I'm just like, fuck, no. I just, just let me talk to him for a second. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to know what the fuck is going on. Um, so how do what benefit does he give the party like how does he bring about the resolution like how what part of him gives the party a chance for the resolution of the story um so they have to convince him to come with them um probably the most the easiest way is um you know, hey, can you help us get back? You're like, we we don't know our way around here, and we're just trying to get back. Ah, all right, just come with me. Keep up. I'm just, uh, uh, I can't be all day, but yeah, you know. And he just takes them back to the city where, um, you know, the resistance is waiting yeah. for them. Like, not the city, like uh, the outskirts where yeah. the resistance is waiting, and they're like Arnold. <laughs> Arnold. And they have to cross through <laughs> that whole barrier <laughs> where the resistance kind of has to start reminding him who he is. And I feel like that's where you're going to get that first, you know, key item that reminds him a little just for the sake of explanation. Let's call it a journal. They present him with his journal that has all of his, you know, his writings, his musings, yeah. whatever. And that will set off a little bit of a spark in him. And it could be it could be something as cliche as like either him or one of the resistance members or one of the party if they're fast enough being like i bet if we find more stuff that relates to him he'll remember more and then you can kind of track that down further and given the story that we've given him like naturally he would lead you in the direction of the sariels so it would be the closer you get to completing that the more you learn about what it is the sariels are actually doing to people and you learn that you know, you learn about their attachment to magic and the experiments and the fact that they're pulling magic from, you know, this, uh, they're pulling from these other planes and this is part of what's causing the destabilization. And given their connection, like if they chose to, uh, you know, if you chose to follow that all the way through, you'd meet the Sariels, and given their pension for playing the blame game, you'd come to them and be like, you're ruining the, the world by pulling magic from these other planes, and they'd be like, us? All we are doing is accessing the natural weave that exists between the worlds. What about them? They've gone to another plane. They've brought foreign entities here. It's not us, it's them. 
And then you wind up at that crucial moment eventually where your party has to decide. They des- Do we do one? Do we do both? Do we do nothing? Oh, do we give... So, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, hold on. Yeah, you raised uh, your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been wanting to uh, branch off this. Um, so, uh, the journal is given to Arnold, and it sparks a memory, right? It hurts him a lot. Grabbing his head, dropping to a knee. Like, this magic is meant to block that memory. Didn't wipe it out. It's blocking it. And it is hurting him to remember. And that is when the Resistance realizes that um, not only is something magical happening to make him forget, but they have no idea what's going to happen when if they do, like, a dispel magic to make him, like... Remember everything at once Or if it can actually dispel it Or if it will like cause some kind of reaction Um I also thought of like a cool like kind of uh So If they use dispel magic He's in a coma And then you know when When he comes out um He'll gradually get his memory back But uh I don't know It can be that can be A discussion for later but Um if they take him into a field of something that dispels magic, like that's a... Anti-magic field? Right. If he goes into that, then he becomes himself again until he steps out of that field. And then when he steps out, he's, again, in a ton of pain, but he forgets, like... Everything that just happened in there because the magic is rewarping it to go. That never happened. I like that it affects him. I would like to see the effect of either a dispel magic or an magic field affect him to incapacitance. Yeah. Because that gives you a way as a DM to remove that super soldier from the final, if there's a final yeah, combat because or that's, final competition. Because that's the other thing be, is that we've, we've glossed over like a million times now is that he is like a magically enhanced human. Mm-hmm. Like if you were to stat him, like I would wager he is like, he's got 20s in like strength, X and con. Yeah. Far and away. Yeah. And like, when you first... And I mean, he's also high in charisma. Like, he's a leader of a resistance. He's a pretty like, man. He's a, yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. Pretty I would just... I, just for the sake of enhancing the super soldier thing, it's just... It's 20s down the board. Yeah. And you yeah. can show that off throughout, like, when you first find him, and he's yeah. just pushing over this huge fucking boulder with... No <laughs> shit, right? Yeah. Just, just this weirdness he's, that's he's going on with built him. like fucking Arnold from yeah. the 90s. But what it, what that does tend... If, if you go to the Dispel Magic completely shuts it off what it does is it prevent it gives your players the opportunity to shine in the combat while instead of having this super statted character npc doing Do all, all the, the damage or them. all the work for them it gives yeah. the players like all right this npc's off it's just you guys now it gives them the time to shine yeah. and yeah. against the sariels like they would that would be their first action they'd be like oh we know who you are go to sleep yeah. good mm-hmm. night and uh, just kind of trying to tagline uh, back on what you were saying for the ending. So I love the idea of giving him a choice. The Sariels or this faction that is taking over, which we named... The Smiths. The Smiths, right? And if they do the Smiths, the result of this story could be very simple. Hey, the magic tech starts going away. The constant using of magical portals stops and the land starts to go back. Food starts to come back in and the city gets back to kind of normal. Yep. That's your resolution. Whereas if you do it with the, um, with the, just with the, fuck, what did I call Sar-Hills? them? The Sar Hills. <laughs> 
uh, the outcome could be completely different. I'm not sure what that would happen. That would be, but I do love the out. I do love having the Sariels stay alive because of that yeah. super soldier side quest. Or, oh yeah, that's or just a whole different. See, I feel like if they go after the Sariels, uh, because of the super tight hold that they have over their city, maybe not immediately, but in the gradual long term, maybe half a year, give or take. Uh, like the the epilogue to that story is that entire city destabilizes mm. because it sounds like the only thing keeping them together was the Sariel family. I can see a scene as you leave. The resolution is that volcano erupts. Yeah, and you have no idea what's left behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then later on down the line, maybe ten sessions later, hey, you remember that family? Yeah, remember the super soldier? Here's another one. Yeah. Except he wants to kill you. Have fun. Um, all right. So I'm looking through some of our notes. I'm trying to see some things that we may want to touch base on. Did you guys have any like uh, things you wanted to add to this so far? Um, any last like kind of ideas? No. Do you, I... do you mind if we like just pause for a second so we can go over exactly what's there? Or if you want to just read what we have like to talk about just to see like if we agree, okay, this is what we should spend our time kind of putting a nail into so we went over the final resolution kind of like in detail i think that definitely needs to be open-ended because you don't know what the yeah, party's because you don't choose. really know yeah. so yeah. and I, I love the idea does the party go after one family both families or not at all i mean who knows yeah and um, I, I mean ideally the way that i envision it in my head is like the the perfect victory scenario would be dealing with both because then it eliminates the crime problem, it eliminates the magic disturbance, uh, and with the inevitable destabilization of the Sariel city, the other city would then become uh, a safe and more open place to move to. You essentially destabilize one city, but completely enrich the remaining one, because now you don't just have these absolutely rich, pompous technocrats and very scared, poor people. You have people who are generally pretty comfortable living a humble lifestyle that also have, like, regular trades. That seems yeah. like a pretty effective resolution to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like it. I do, too. I like it a lot. Um, <clears throat> what happens if they... So, we did talk about... Um, that they could skip over this whole thing. If the party doesn't grab the hook, skip over it, move on with your plot, bring mm. it back later, right? What happens if they get into the plot and they fail to, like, they neglect the urgency of the situation? Maybe they... Ah, that's a great one. Yes, so, I forgot like, what about hap- that. What, yeah. what are some consequences that can happen based off of the party's actions in doing this? What are some bad consequences that could happen? Um. Well, I, I think a good one can be... Uh, over, so over the course of any adventure, you meet NPCs that you either like or dislike. Um, a lot of the times you remember the ones that you like, though. And... Uh, they're neglecting the story gets one of the NPCs that they enjoy being around, like killed. It's one of these, uh, uh, like the environment destabilizing one of these anomalies ends up taking, like comes in and almost like a, um, 
uh, invisible force field that comes in, engulfs like half of the NPC's body that it in, like they like being in front of their eyes, and then it dips out, and then just half the body just falls to the ground flat. Like nothing they can do, they can't bring them back. Like that NPC is done, and yeah. then the resistance can start. Like I don't know, can say you're either going like here to help or you're not. Like see. <laughs> That, but it's Arnold. Yes. Yes. Because then... Arnold lives or dies. Because then the Resistance gets angry. Yes. The Resistance says, you know, we trusted you to find him, and you fucking dragged your feet, and now he's dead. Fix this. This is your fault. Yep. You should have done better. You should have been better. You should have moved faster, but you didn't. So Arnold's life is on the line. I yep. love that. It's a key NPC. I think that's really good. And I mean, they're going to like this dude. Like he's just like a big teddy bear that is just very good at pretty much everything he does. Yeah. <laughs> you know. If you took um, another consequence could be like if you're taking the route of a heavier if you're running this as a heavier combat, especially with firearms being in the way. Yeah. Depending on what the party does to resolve. Now uh, we just touched on a couple small like side quests that could kind of fill this story and you could add so much more to oh, it yeah. thugs kidnapping people things like that but what you could do if you're going to run a heavy combat and you plan on having like a final combat make their actions what they do to influence the city influence the final combat for example if they don't remove this case of guns that came in from this warehouse that's in one of the and that's in the smith city those guns show up in the final battle and now it's harder for them yeah there's even mm-hmm. more people to deal this, with right so like right. have just like small little things that you can just add or subtract from you know some yeah. of these combats if you're running combat heavy could be consequences for you know not following through with certain things i uh, one of my favorite it's kind of cliche but it's probably like my favorite uh little trope to throw in uh to every to a game is like the npc that just seems like the um, they're like they are they seem like there's something that they aren't so and what i'm trying to say is you come across this uh wagon and there's this woman in it that uh is barely alive and over her are some bandit thugs that are um i I don't they're assaulting her or robbing her or something they're beating her up and there's just too many of them and you didn't see what happened prior to that right so you just walk up on that you scare the party either scares them off or ignores it whatever um and if they scare them off and help her then maybe she comes back at the end and she was actually like very good at what she does and she's a fighter and can help them in the you know what i mean like one of those i love that character maybe that maybe when they do that and she comes back at the end maybe she has your next story hook after this one yeah that yeah, takes right. you out of the area yep yeah yeah um I'm looking through. We we, we definitely like went over the evolution uh, the evolution of choice, allowing your players to influence these things by their decisions. We went over some consequences, general key notes about the cities, the environments, what's going on. Uh, is there anything else before we wrap a little bow on this thing and call it good for now? Um, I was actually thinking about uh, what if they want to join one of the families. Then uh, you can take that uh, the same way you take 
them wanting to go against the families, except you give them the benefits. Yeah. There can still be the same issues of, right. okay, maybe now they have to go deal with the other family required. You have to, because this, maybe they team yeah. up with the Smiths they and they the get Smiths firearms and everything. Yeah. The Smiths are, all right, go kill this family or yeah. your whole, go or fuck them up. Right, right. Right. Maybe you now, and that's the direction you can take it. Maybe you're running an evil campaign and you want to split yeah. and have both of them go at each other's throat, take the leftovers. Yeah, there's yeah. Pl- there's plenty of, of choices there, and it's been left in such a state that, like, should they decide to team up with mm-hmm. one, like, it has a pretty natural follow-through from that point. They will gain, you know, all associated and necessary boons from working with one family. Absolutely. But I think as a response to that directly, just for a, from a balance and challenge perspective, like the other family just gets subsequently harder because yeah. the, the cities are in such proximity. And over the course of this adventure, your party is going to make such a name for themselves one way or the other that if you join the Sariels, the Smiths are going to be like, we need to go get the biggest gun that we can find. Yep. And then that cuts off one of the cities for you, essentially, right? Yeah. If you team up with one side, your yeah. side knows yep. you don't have that city yeah. anymore. Right, right. And I mean, that's the that. So that's why I think a lot of people probably would join the Smiths, right? Because then you have access to the the weaponry. Um, I like the idea of that city being a little larger and the family, like the way that it is, like being kind of like a crime family that you can call and get a couple guys for backup whenever you need it however on the other side if you join the um the side that seems like they're not as uh they're uh, vile right yeah um you join them you get some you get access to you, a few magical you make items a, you that. make a superhuman template and you apply that to one of the party members as a curse that's what yep. you do yeah <laughs> you're a dick dm <laughs> so i th- i think based on every you know all the notes we had everything we kind of tried to work out beforehand like i think we've covered this to the the fullest extent of what we're going to get out of it without just talking in circles Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think we came up with a pretty good story. I think all of us had. I want to play this. It yeah. sounds sounds like it would be a lot of fun. It would be so much fucking it fun. Would be good. Maybe maybe you can one shot or something. On, honestly, though, like there's so many questions in this. Yeah. If let's say okay, um, so our friend that's gonna be DMing for the first time, let's say he takes this and goes to run with it. We left it so open and uh, uh, for creative design that. Even though we created this part of it, the, yeah. the tiny little template skeleton, like we could go into it and still play it without being meta at all. The well, only yeah. thing we would know is like, hey, there's an Arnold dude that we need to find. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this is uh, this plot, I think, is is open ended enough and has so many potentials for resolution that you could change probably most of this. Yeah. And it would still work. Oh, yeah. Man, dude. I think we did. We did fucking good today, boys. Yeah. All right, so I have one last thing for you guys. Okay. Uh, I got a little uh, thing called Jesse's Notes. All right. Yeah, it caught on last time. I liked it. Why are it. they on a chalkboard? Uh, With crayons? The, what are you doing? It's the easiest way to write. Have you ever tried it? <laughs> I don't think so, you idiot. <laughs> Okay, so um, the first thing, the, he's laughing like really hard, and he's not making noise. <laughs> that just sounds like pain. 
So in uh, in this final segment uh, uh, called Jesse's Notes, what I did is I took notes to figure, to uh, recording kind of like um, who did what and who suggested what, and uh, I'm just going to read them off to you. I'm going to try to keep doing this whenever we do kind of like a creation episode. Sure, yeah. I would just yeah. jump right into them. Yeah. I would just be, these are Jesse's Notes, and then bam, bam, bam. Okay. So, Ben, uh, you came up with uh, the name Sariel, um, which is the... Uh, Plagiarizing yourself. <laughs> yeah, which is hilarious, and I love that name. You know, when you said it at first, I was like, hmm, I know that name. <laughs> <laughs> it's been like three that weeks, evil, man. That That's evil bitch long. tried to kill uh, my character for so long. Uh, stank asshole. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, so uh, they're the magic crime family. Um, the uh, cities uh, keep, you also came up with cities keep to themselves, uh, unless... You're sneaky about it. Um, the Sario family does uh, give the party some free shit, which is cool. Um, they're the they're the side that comes into it, and they're a little uh, uh, nicer to the party. And they go, "Here's some free things. Be our friends," which is creepy and weird. Um, <clears throat> Chris, you came up with the Smiths, the Technomancy Traders. Uh, please, please tell me y'all got that right. What the Smiths? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> Agent, Deco- Agent Smith, The Matrix. Oh my god, uh, I'm <laughs> such an idiot. <laughs> I'm very proud of you, Chris. <laughs> I'm proud of me. <laughs> he doesn't take good notes. <laughs> um, Technomancy traders. Uh, <clears throat> The there's a decline in natural resources around the lands um, that is hurting the the Smith City and um, and it isn't really affecting the uh, um, Sario City uh, because of the natural resources that are at the base of the volcano. Um, Arnold radiates magic. Uh, there's multiple pings off of his body. Uh, I did not catch the kind of magic that you said. Enchantment. Enchantment magic, which makes all the sense in the world. Alrighty. <laughs> um, and also, you came up with the journal that Arnold gets when he comes back to help spark that first memory um, where he ends up uh, coming into getting some kind of like ouchies in his brains. Um, <clears throat> so, what I came up with is that there's a vault volcano behind uh i said the magic family cities because i didn't write it down yet and then i changed it to sarios all right so uh there's uh economic differences between the two cities um one side is uh more prosperous but it also has a um a lot more of class levels you know they have uh very poor but they also have very rich and the other side they don't really um they're they're not a a they don't seem to be a place that really cares about financial wealth. Um, and that's the, uh, Sario city. Um, so in the Sario city, uh, they seem happier, but, uh, nefarious shit is happening behind the scenes. And, um, I also have on here that, uh, dispel magic on Arnold hurts him. <laughs> turns him off. Shuts yeah, him just, off. Like, <laughs> turns him off completely. Yeah, just sh- shuts him off. Oh, that's actually something Ben came up with is that it incapacitates him. Yep. So, yes. No, I like that. That's We'll be better. storing these notes in our archive for, uh... For, for posterity, posterity. <laughs> <laughs> yes uh and also uh hit us up on ots block oh, at 
OTS block on Twitter to tell us um, who you thought came up with the coolest ideas in the episode. Uh, the winner will get $1.5 trillion, so please uh, go ahead and... Chris, I thought it was $2 trillion. Don't look at no, me. No, 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 no. I, I, I told you I was going to handle this. I had to uh, spend $0.5 trillion to, um, as a salary to set this all up. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah that's fine. All right, cool. Um, so vote for me. I want to win. <laughs> so is that, is, that, is that the majority of your notes there? And that is all of my notes. All right. Yes. I, 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 want to, uh, I want to apologize to our listeners. This is going to be the second episode in a row. We're going to have to cut the questions because uh, this has been a fucking long one. Did we yeah, no shit. Or did we did good. And you know what? If you've been with us this far, thank you very much. Seriously, yeah. thank I'm, you for listening to this combined total of like almost two and a half hours worth of us writing a campaign hook off the top of our heads. And it's, to be honest, like, uh, um, tell us if you like it. Like, I know I, I sound like a broken record, but this is the, to me this is the uh, the most fun uh, recording sessions that we have is to think of mixed and create yeah. yeah it's our creation episodes right right and it's just a lot of fun i have a lot of fun doing it with you guys you guys are um help me help get those mind juices flowing for me oh yeah oh yeah, oh, yeah. so if you made it this far i will see you after a few weeks you will be hearing from other people as long as well with uh, chris and jesse if you made it this far i am ben thank you for listening you can find us on twitter at ots block facebook outside the stat block a website at uh, outside the stat block.com where you can find all of our episodes or Apple or Spotify. Yes, and if you do happen to go to OutsideTheStatBlock.com, do us a favor. Send us some questions. As you've noticed, this episode and the previous one have been definitely lacking. Uh, we could use some more. Send us your questions. Send us your stories. Send us anything. Really, if you want us to say something stupid, just tell us. We're pretty free. We'll say things. Like, we're mostly free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean... Don't be, like, racist or rude about it, yeah, but I but mean, like, like, we're probably going to say it. Yeah, just, you know, <laughs> give us your engagement. It would mean a lot to us. <laughs> you want me to do an entire voice in the Arnold accent? Yeah, don't, just ask Don't me. tell him to do that. <laughs> do not tell him to do that. I mean, we'll record it, but we'll edit it, too. Uh, and as Ben mentioned, you know, if you happen to be listening on, uh, on Apple Podcasts, give us the five star, write us a little review, super helps out if you write us a nice review. I might be so inclined as to read it as part of this little end segment someday. Oh, man, that'd be dope as hell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, thank yeah, you very dude. much, guys. I've been Chris. And I've, oh, yo, Ben, I'm Jetsy. Now go play pretend with your friends. Subscribe! <laughs>